Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. If you'll grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. The scripture text and the scripture basis for this entire series and for this launch is right here on my left side of my arm. I don't know. I may be wearing this the whole series. I don't know. So if it gets a little lighter, a little fades out a little bit, don't judge me. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly that all that we can ask or think. That's Jesus. God is able to do anything, anything that we're going to believe for. And in your life, wherever you're at in your life, take the limits off. The challenge this series is to, for you as an individual, as a family, is to take the limits off of God in your life. And there's a process for this. Today, the first series is going to be part of that first process, what has to happen first in your life. And I'm going to give you some strategy. I'm going to give you strategy. I'm going to teach you a little bit and show you how to involve this to get to a new place. Therefore, verse 13, therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, is what Paul writes to the Ephesian church, which is your glory. He said, my trouble is your glory. Don't worry about me everything's okay. Verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, and that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened by the might through his, by his, with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now look around and everyone and tell them, I want you to comprehend with me. I know you know God loves you, but I need you to understand. God needs you to understand. Come on, look at somebody. Tell them, God wants you to understand. You know he loves you, right? But he, Paul writes and says, I pray that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. In other words, there's a deeper dimension of that love and why you're even called and why he saved you. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Essentially what this scripture is saying to us is, is that God will prove himself through challenges. God will prove himself through challenges. And there is no challenge too big for our God to handle. And the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he tells them, listen, 
don't be down for me and don't feel sorry for me because I have a challenge in my life or I'm going through trouble. He said, rather, it's for God's glory. In other words, you're going to see something good come out of this. And in fact, my prayer for you is, is that you would comprehend just how much he loves you, how big it is, how wide it is, how tall it is, what's the width of it, because it's unmeasurable. And you, as long as you know that, then you'll understand what God can do, because he loves you so much, folks. He loves every single one of you so much. He died for you, and he rose again for you, and he poured his spirit out for you. And greater is he in you than any problem in the world. I want you to look at one person before you're seated and tell them there isn't anything too big for God to handle. Come on, say it like you mean it to somebody. There isn't anything too big for our God to handle. All right, now give him some praise here this Sunday morning. Amen. And you can be seated here. Thank you for standing, participating, and being here. What a week it has been. What a great opportunity in life God's given us in this moment. With all the noise and with all the challenges that occur in life, um, it's a moment for God to shine during the political stress of what's happening in the atmosphere, during, during any anything that occurs in the world that's contrary to peace and, and joy and love, no matter what you're going through, we have a hope in Christ Jesus. We have a hope in Christ Jesus. Uh, no matter where you're at in life, God puts you there to shine. No matter what challenges you face in your life, you are appointed. You are appointed. That means there's no accident where you're at in life. And if God appointed you, then God wants to anoint you. God wants to empower you, in other words. He wants you to understand what he can really do with where you're at and where you've been called. Let me explain the concept of how callings work in your life. Now, I believe everyone is called. I believe, call, I believe calls are, you know, or exist in everyone's life. Everyone has a calling. Now, there's a different types of calling to different assignments. Callings and assignments are hand in hand, right? So, so whenever we are dealing with a calling, um, people always say this, I got a call in my life. I know I got a call in my life. I know God's called me. Yeah, of course he's called you. Number one, he's called you to be a son of God. He's called you to live a good, abundant life. And anything else is an assignment. Because we are first called to be Christians. We are first called to be believers. But having the acceptance of that one factor, accepting that one truth, it matters. Because there are some people that limit themselves and even disqualify themselves because they live under condemnation in their life. Because maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe you have fallen short. Maybe your life isn't the prettiest picture. But if you've ever read, read your Bible and look at the genealogies of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to tell you, in Jesus' family, there were no perfect individuals. In fact, most of them were outcasts and misfits. 
No. I mean, look at it closer. There were prostitutes in that lineage. There were adulterers, murderers. There were people in there that you and I would have never said to ourselves, I'm so proud of my family tree. (laughs) First of all, you know, most of you don't even know if it hadn't been for, (laughs) you know, those services. I'm not going to promote anybody, but, you know, now you can send in your spit in a bottle and they can tell you what monkey, (laughs) what tree you came from, right? I mean, now you can trace back your genealogies, find out if you're you're half black, white, Mexican, Latino, Jew, and all over. And I'm and I found that I'm actually all of them. I'm a good mix. I'm a mixed breed. Well, in the kingdom of God, you are divinely made and you are perfectly made in the image of God for a purpose and a reason. And there is so much inside of you, if you don't find it and allow God to find you, then you will continually go into life with questions. But once you have found it, I mean, just let me help you for a moment to think that the God of all creation, the one who has all power, decided that he was going to reside in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, to think for one moment that he decided and said, hey, I'm going to live in them. I am going to be in them, work through them, flow in them. It's a major, major deal. Because you have, as, as we learned last week, you have more than you know inside of you. Inside of you is greatness. Inside of you is wisdom above your years and beyond your years and experience. Inside of you is virtue that can flow to a world that's hurting. Inside of you is a peace that passes all understanding that will help the troubled hearts. Inside of you is the authority of God to deal with any spirit or element or challenge. Inside of you is the capability to go above and beyond. Inside of you. Someone say, inside of me. Inside of me. But we have to speak in accordance and in agreement with that. Our language has to be in agreement with that. You and I have to accept that. And the subtitle for today's message is acceptance. Accepting what God has called us to do. Accepting God's calling. That's the first point. We have to accept it. You see, some have a very hard time to accept it. Even David said, he said it in Psalms 19 and 14. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In other words, I know that my power comes from you because I have the strength from you, but you are also the one who forgave me. You're my redeemer. So let my words and my mouth, the thoughts of my mind, be in perfect alignment with how I look towards you. How many of you believe that he saved you with his grace? How many of you believe that he purchased you with his blood? So is he your redeemer this Sunday morning? Have you been redeemed by the blood and by the faith 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have. You have full confidence in that, right? So that would defy every criticism that comes to you. That should defy every negative word ever spoken to you or about you. Because it doesn't matter what others say. All that matters is what he thinks about you. And he says, you have been redeemed by my blood. You're innocent. You're not guilty. You are shameless. You are guiltless. You belong to me. Paul said, Lord, let the meditations of my heart, the words of my mouth be acceptable. Let nothing else come out of it. Acceptance begins in the mind. Acceptance begins with the words that come in and out of your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you are thinking the wrong thoughts and you are limiting yourself from God's blessings and calling in your life, it's because you are entertaining those thoughts. You are entertaining those thoughts. Listen, if you feel isolated and alone, maybe you've created that in your life. Maybe you need to go out and start being more friendly and start getting more friends and start. Listen, this is a very friendly church. Aren't you thankful for friendly churches? I mean, we're not the only friendly church. There's a lot of friendly churches in town, but this is a safe place. And I promise you, if you walked up to somebody with a smile, you'll get a smile back. If you don't get a smile back, then just lay hands on them. <laughs> I'm joking. We don't do that here. Might. Maybe not. But we create our worlds. We do. We create our worlds. The world that you are living in existed first in your mind. Then it came out of your mouth. And the acceptance of who you are will validate where you feel you're destined to be. So first and foremost, above all things, I don't look for the verification or the, um, I don't really look to be justified by people. I really don't want to be validated by opinions. I really look for the acceptance of God. I really look for the fact that I know that I am a son of God. That's where Jesus was first tempted. When he went to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted and he was asked, really challenged, if you be the son of God, then do this and do that. That whole trial that he had for 40 days and 40 nights, I believe, was all meant to solidify his stance to know within himself and that hell would know and the world would know that he was the son of God. But more than the world knowing, the Lord Jesus had to know it in his humanity first. And he knew who he was. And that's the authority he walked in. He was the son of God. In one place, when he prayed for Lazarus, he cried out loud. Really, he prayed out loud and said, Father, I know that you hear me always. But for their sake, I'm talking out loud. Like all of you, right? And I'm Jesus just for a moment. Just bear with me. And I'm saying, Lord, I know you can hear me. But for their sake, now he wasn't being arrogant. He was being a teacher. He was trying to show his disciples. He was trying to verify that what they were fixing to see was going to be from God. So he said, Lord, that they may know that you sent me that's why I pray out loud, because I know who I am, but they don't know who I am. 
And God will vindicate you and show everyone. He will show them. You don't have to show them. God will do it. And so he prayed the prayer, and we know the outcome of the prayer. Lazarus came out. And so that's the faith. There are some people in the Scripture that really had a hard time with identifying with their call. Like Moses. Moses had a very hard time identifying with the assignment God had for him. When Moses was younger, Moses actually was very vigorous, very zealous. He was, he was very willing, but it was easy for Moses. If you recognize it, Moses felt the call in his life, and he saw one of his brethren, he said, in the Scripture being abused by an Egyptian. So he went to the Egyptian, and then he took the life of the Egyptian. And the Bible says that someone saw it and they called him out on it and he became ashamed and he ran off. And we know from that point on, it was 40 years that Moses went through that experience of isolation, loneliness, and separation over a failed mistake, over a failed attempt to try to be a redeemer for God's people, to try to be the one who bridged the gap between their slavery and their freedom. Moses took matters into his own hands, but recognize the calling that Moses had in his life. He was more apt to do it when it was just one person. I believe the second time God called him, the reason why he was so hesitant, because God didn't go to him when he showed up in the burning bush. God didn't go up to him and and say, okay, Moses, I'm going to... I want you to go back, and I want you to bring one person out of Egypt. God told Moses this time, Moses, I need you to bring millions of people out of Egypt. And that's when Moses started crawfishing. That's not a South Texas term. That's a Louisiana term. That's when Moses started stepping back. I, I, I don't know about that. In fact, Exodus 4 and 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord. said, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? That's the question God poses to you. When you feel challenged, when you and I feel challenged, God has to ask us sometime, who created you? Or is anybody smarter than me? Listen, who has made man's mouth or who has made, makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord, now therefore go, and I will be your mouthpiece and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please, send, send by the hand of whoever else uh, you may send. Don't, don't send me. Even after God said, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to talk for you. I'm going to work for you. All you have to do is just be willing and obedient. And you'll see it accomplished. See, Moses was quick to accept the call when it just was manageable in his own eyes. That's like most of us. Most of us, when we think we challenge ourselves to something that we can do easily, that's really not a challenge. That's not a challenge. 
A challenge is something that almost seems impossible to do. A challenge. Anything else is just another responsibility. A responsibility, we get responsibilities and challenges mixed up. But if you never challenge yourself to go beyond what you're capable of doing, you'll never see God work in your life. Let me repeat that. Let me say it like this. Again, our first point is accepting God's calling. When we accept it, we have to agree that God has big dreams and big visions, and with God's acceptance, there is a bigger challenge. Because God would never call you to something or ask you to do something for him that is not willing to do it with you and help you himself. And if God has to step in to help you, that means that it's bigger than you. If God didn't help you, that means that you can handle it on your own. You don't need God for that. You don't need God. Yes, he'll give you strength and faith, and he'll give you the thought capacity and the wisdom and understanding, but really, when you accept a call from God, and when you accept a vision from God, and when you agree with God, you have to realize that your God isn't puny. Your God isn't somebody or someone or something that just requires you to go through traditions or religious actions every single week. Your God has challenged you to change the world. Your God has challenged you to make an impact in your community. God is challenging you. If you read the Bible, the Bible is filled with challenges. Every person, every individual that followed after God, God had a challenge for them. He tested them. Moses was tested. (laughs) Moses, all he had was a rod in his hand. Couldn't even talk. He was so nervous. That's like someone saying, well, I feel called to preach. I'm ready to go. You put them up there like... I've seen it happen before. But talking to one person is much easier. Having a conversation with one is different than having a conversation with many people. And then doing, having an assignment that you're capable of is a responsibility. But God wants our light to be filled with challenges challenges. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a challenge or created a challenge in your life that was way beyond your own means? When's the last time you have placed a challenge, intentional, intentionally tried to reach towards God's goal in your life? Well, let me ask a question before that. Actually, do you know what you're called to do? You know how Moses knew what his calling was? It's when the Egyptian picked on the Israelite, it made him angry. I'm going to help you. Are you ready? Remember this. Take notes if you're here. Take notes if you're watching online. You'll know what you're called to do, and I'm going to explain this, by what makes you angry. Do we have any painters in the house? People that do painting as professionals? Professional painters? Ah, we got one over here. Okay. 
You know, if you walked into a room and you saw some what they call holidays, or if you saw a painting that had some flaws, maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't. Um, if you have an eye for that kind of stuff, and you saw some flakes of, uh, in the wall, things that need to be touched up, it would bother you. Not necessarily you wouldn't be angry, but you'd be irritated. And if it persisted and it got bigger and bigger and bigger, it may make you angry. And finally you step up and you say, you know what? I'd like to handle that, Pastor Bobby. Can I take care of that? It just bothers me. There are some things that you can look at and critique so much. There are some things that you're good at and have an eye for that when it's not right or it's not done the way you know it should be done with excellence, that you have this feeling on the inside that you want to change it. So when I say angry, I'm not saying you become, you know, out, you become volatile. Your temper rises. And it causes you to curse or causes you to say something you shouldn't say. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about irritation. Irritation. Like when I see people that are struggling in a certain area of their life, I get bothered by it. Now, I get mad when I see the devil messing with people and playing games with people's mind. I get furious about that. It makes me upset. That's why I'm called, and that's why I am in this position right now. Because since God saved me, it didn't start off with the platform. When God saved me, it started with the Sunday school room. It started with the Bible study. It started wherever God would assign me and give me an assignment. And it all started with him challenging me to come out of my comfort zone. But I had to first accept it that I was capable and able to do whatever he asked me to do according to what he placed inside of me. And I had to take the limits off. That's how it works. This church did not start just in my home with four people. It started when I first stepped up by faith and said, okay, God, I'll teach them a Bible study, or I'll tell them about you, or I'll invite them to church. It started with me making a difference where I was at. You have to begin where you're at. Don't look for the grand opportunities and say, I'm not going to do anything. I'll know it's God until I have the spotlight or I have this opportunity to preach out or I have this opportunity to, to build something grand where everyone will notice. No, 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 no. It starts right where you're at in your life and accepting that challenge because if you're too big to do small things, then you're too small to do big things. That's just the way it works. But you got to take the limits off. You have to accept this is who God made me. This is what I'm good at. And then do your best to do it. Do your best to make it happen. If your thing is mopping, then you mop like there's no tomorrow. Oh, I, I, I can testify to that. I can testify to that. I grew up in a dance hall business. My family owned a, a convention center that was over 22,000 square feet. It was big, concrete floors. And guess whose job it was to mop those floors and sweep them every week? I didn't go like this. I went like that. Well, I got it down. 
I started mopping. I said, oh, my God. It's so hard. Then, then someone came around and said, man, you are wasting your time. You need to. Watch this. Yeah. Just mopping now, but i got to show you. you got to stand like this. My brother came and taught me this. you got to stand like this. you got to hold that mop like this, and you got to go like this. And you got to go like that and move and back up. And I was knocking. I was able to throw that thing out 12 feet that way, that way. I was getting these big areas. All I needed was music, right? But as a kid, I learned those work ethics. And I didn't, have, I didn't know how to do anything else, but I learned how to clean. That's why when God saved me, the first thing we started doing, and I used to cut the grass when I was younger, do all that stuff. That's all I knew how to do was work and labor and clean and cut grass. But when God saved me, guess what I did in the church? Real good. Real good. Cut that grass real good. Had a chance to mop. I wanted to show off my skills. Mop drop. Well, let me give you an example. You know why Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem like God called him to do it? Because he could serve a cup to the king really good. And he was willing to take a risk and challenge his own life and say, you know what, that cup may be poison, but I'm going to do a really good job in making sure I protect the king. So Moses went by just doing a job so small, and what most of us would say was minute. That's why every time somebody comes and I see a brand, I don't, you hardly ever see me drinking the water, right? But I know it's there. And I'm appreciative of it. Because somebody took time to put this here just in case our throats get rough, our throats get dry, and I appreciate that to whoever did that. It's not a small thing. It's a just-in-case thing. It's a considerable thing. It's, hospi- it's hospitality. But the Scripture says, they that water someone will also get watered themselves. That's Bible. That's Bible. And I'm telling you, no matter what your calling is, no matter what you're capable of doing, it will evolve into something bigger. It starts off small. God wants to make sure that you are accepting, accepting who you are where you're at. If you want to see the limits taken off of your life, your life be faithful where you're limited. If you want the limits off your life, do something productive where you're limited. And God will remove, and God will evolve it. God will do something different. I don't know how I got up here, folks. I know it was God. I mean, listen, if you see a turtle on a, if you see a, turtle on a post, someone helped it get there. Yes. Right? I feel like I'm a turtle on a post. I didn't get here on my own. Somebody put me here. Somebody called me here. Somebody opened up the door for me. Someone told me it's time to walk out. Someone told me teach, preach, and reach out to the nation. I did that, did where I was from. I'm going to tell you something pretty awesome. There's a lot of people that don't even know Covenant Life Center exists. They don't. 
but it won't be long. And when God does, I believe this. And you can agree with me if you like to. But when they find out, they're going to say, where in the world did they come from? I never knew they were here. For such a time, folks, how do they function at such a high level? Because we learned how to function to our full capacity with excellence in this location here where no one can see us. No one knows we exist hardly. But I'm telling you, when God puts you in a place of promotion, do you think that David was king Overnight, no, he was not placed in a place of authority overnight. He had to learn how to be faithful as a shepherd boy and challenge his life by saying, there's no bear and no lion going to take these sheep. He had to learn how to be an armor bearer even when the man he was trying to protect was wanting to take his life. And God proved him in his limitations. Then, because he was faithful, God took the limits off. God took the limits off. He took the limits off. Ruth, Ruth was, was, wasn't even part of Israel. She wasn't of the Jewish descent. She married someone who was, and when she went into back her home country, into Bethlehem, Naomi was the voice in her life. Naomi was the one who said, if you'll do this, this is who you are. But Ruth accepted her status beforehand. Someone say accept. Ruth accepted her status and said, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you go, I will go. I mean, all the way to death, where you die, I will die. I mean, she was in it to win it. She was in it all the way. And when she committed there in that one area where there was no promise, there was no promise. In fact, it was hopeless because Naomi said, hey, <clears throat> Ruth, listen, mija. <laughs> By the way, all Bible characters to me are Spanish and Latino because I know no other accent. Look, there's no one. I, I'm too old. I can't have any more children. So if you're going to come with me, you're going to be single. And that's really, what, that's really what she thought, right? There's no promise there. It was hopeless. But there was a Boaz there. Watch this. So Ruth was limited. But she accepted being part of the family and Naomi, she allowed Naomi to speak into her life and get instruction. And that's all that God wants us to do. Listen, God said, if we're willing and obedient, we'd eat the good of the land. And Ruth was willing and obedient. And all she had to do was do what she was asked to do. That's it. And that's all you and I have to do is just obey God, be faithful where we're at, and give it all you've got. And give it all you've got. Listen, if you're going to do something, do it with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and you will get something out of it. God will not overlook you. 
And she followed the workers. She gleaned from them, the scripture says. She picked up what was left over. And then Boaz caught, she caught Boaz's eye. And there was a sparkle. Ding. There was a sparkle in his eye. And he said, who is that? And they told him who she was. He knew everything about her. And despite, listen to this now, despite, her past, where she was from. She was a Mobitis woman, a pagan woman outside the lineage of Israel. And despite her past, Boaz said, I, I, I don't care where she's from. I don't care what, who she was married to. I, it doesn't matter to me what the past holds. All I know is it looks like she has my future. Right. You know what God says when he looks at you? He says, they're going to fulfill my future. They're going to fulfill my future. But what have you done to catch his eye? Because he's the true kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer. He's the one that redeems us. But until we are faithful and consistent and obedient and willing, then God can't take us in. Here's the irony of this whole thing. The very place, you've heard this before, the very field that Ruth labored in as a, as, a, as a beggar, essentially, as a beggar, is the very field that she ended up owning. No limits. Someone say acceptance. You have to accept who you are. She accepted who she was. She embraced who she was. She accepted it. She wasn't trying to act like anyone else. She wasn't trying to be anyone else. She was being who she was and where she was from. And she just came back and gave the report. She gave the report to Naomi and said, you're not going to believe it. They gave me this. I came back with a full bag. They gave me privileges. This man came up and told me, stay right behind my men. And if you want to take a break with them, take a break with them. And she was like, oh, my God, that's an open door. That's an open door. You'll know when God opens up a door for you with the favor that comes. But the question is, you can't bypass the process of being willing and obedient. You're in a limited place right now. You may feel like you're in a limited place. Or even if you feel like you're in abundance, I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't compare to where God wants to take you. It doesn't compare. God has so much more. God doesn't qualify, does, doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And you know, back in the day when I was younger, there was a bunch of pay phones everywhere. And young people, you, have, you know nothing about that. Maybe you do. I don't know if you do or don't. But there used to be pay phones all around town, different locations. You have a quarter. It was good when it was a quarter. Then it got up to 35 cents. I was like, what? Then you didn't have the money. So you'd pick up the phone push the zero, and you'd say, hey, I'd like to make a collect call. <laughs> and the operator would go, hi, this is so-and-so, and so-and-so is on the other line, and they're wanting to make a phone call to you. Will you accept the charges? And they would say, and you're like, right before there's a little break, you try to yell in there, say, yes, mom, it's me. <laughs> Y'all know nothing about that. <laughs> It's, or, or you try to get the message across, hey, come pick me up, and hang up real quick so you're not charged. <laughs> you know nothing about that, do you? <laughs> That's old school, son. That's old school. <laughs> 
But you know when God calls you, he calls collect, and you have to accept the charges for that call. I'm going to repeat that. When God calls you, he calls you collect, but you have to be willing to accept the charges for that call. When God calls you, don't get all happy and realize, oh, my God, it's going to be a breeze. Hold on a second. You're now going to be charged with the price because the price with the anointing and the calling in your life, it doesn't come for free. It comes through faithfulness. It comes through some agony sometimes, but it comes. It comes through some consistency in prayer. It comes with some, you know what? I don't care what happens. Today's going to be a good day when you don't feel like having a good day. It comes with, oh, I don't care what goes on. I will bless the Lord at all times kind of day and say, I don't care what happens. His praise is going to continually come out of my mouth. Lord, let my mind and let my mouth be acceptable to you, and don't let it speak anything contrary to my calling. You under, how many of you are with me and believe what I'm saying? There's a price. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's a price that comes with it. Don't be afraid to pay it. Don't be afraid to pay it. But here's the second point and the last point I'm going to leave you with because everybody has a call. Everyone's called to do different things. The second point is God will speak for you once you accept it. I got to say it again. God will speak for you once you accept it. I want to read you in Exodus. I'm not going to read you the whole passage, but this is where the Ten Commandments is found. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. God proved himself to Israel. God proved himself after all of those ten plagues that he sent over Egypt, but that wasn't enough. You really want to know what caused Israel to, to really tremble? Here's what it was. Exodus 21 says this, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then he goes through, and he begins to give the instruction of thou shalt not. We know the commandments, right? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal, right? Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. All the commandments. And when he was done, listen to what the scripture says. When he was done, verse 18, verse 18 says, now all the people witnessed this. While, now there are some, there are some that speculate and say that God himself spoke from the clouds, these commandments, but I believe that Moses was reading the commandments and this is what's happening while he was reading them and afterwards to validate God was there. Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, Moses, and we will hear. We'll listen to you now. But God, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Didn't God say, I will help you? 
Didn't God say, I will validate you? Didn't God say, I will back you up? Here it is. When Moses started speaking and gave the commandments, folks, I mean, the Super Bowl halftime had nothing of what God was doing on Mount Zion that day. I'm just telling you, lightning, thunder, smoke on the mountain, trumpets, things were going off. And, and Moses said to the people, do not fear God, for God has come to test you that you may fear that, you, that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. In other words, all God wants to do is let you know, hey, keep focused on me. Keep living the life. I'm real. I'm going to see you through. Don't get sidetracked by everything else and everyone else. Stay focused on what you're doing because I'm going to bring you to your promised land. I'm going to bring you and bring all the promises back to pass, to pass in your life. When you and I step out by faith, God will meet us. God will help us. And the whole world is watching what God is doing. The whole world is watching to see God fulfill his promise in your life and take the limits off. We all have different gifts, folks. You know, now, what has God called you to do in your life? God's called you, number one, I've not been called to, to be a pastor, okay? That's not my full destiny. I've been called to be a pastor, but that's not my full destiny. That's not my full calling, okay? It just, it's not. Now, it is part of the calling and means which God's going to use that. I've not just been called to be a husband only or a good dad. That's part of the process, that's just the means. God's called me to build the kingdom. God has called me to reach out and save the lost. God has called me to disciple people to have a deeper, intimate relationship with Jesus. Our ultimate call in life is to build God's kingdom. That's why you were made. And every gift you've given towards the kingdom, God will bless. We've said it a thousand times here, and we continue to say it, and we'll say it. When you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. You take care of God's children, God will take care of your children. When you take care of God's family, serve God's family, God will take care of your family. Because your greatest attributes should always be given to him as first fruits. And in turn, God can remove the limits. When you get in the right place, when you are in the right place, and it doesn't matter how small or you feel like insignificant it is, if your greatest encouragement to the church is just simply being there, then just be there. But when you're there, worship God, serve God, lift your hands, back the pastor every once in a while and say, good word, pastor. Just saying, it helps. I preach better. I preach faster. You want to know the secret to getting out early? It's getting with me and preaching with me. That's the secret to getting out early. And I don't feel like I have to delay a little bit and go a little hunting around to see who's hiding over there. Really, the truth is, is that when we all come together, we all agree together, it's easier for God to work. Take the limits off. We all have different callings, right? 
here's the significance of, of your calling. Now, we're all different. I understand that. But, you know, we, we here are the best builders in the world. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 7 says that King David wanted to build a church. So, so let me ask you a question. If our calling is to reach more people, then our ultimate calling isn't to build a church, but that's part of it, right? How many of you can agree with that? Raise your hand. You know, we, so, so God's called you. Did you know that when God calls a pastor to a city and to a church, he also calls people to the church? And that calling has to be accepted. People never accept that calling to any church. That's why they keep on. We're moving on up to the east side. To hear that pastor preach over there because he doesn't preach against sin. I'm just kidding. Don't get mad. I'm kidding. Here's what I do know. There are certain things you can do that I can't do. And we've all been called to build a church. And the church is not a building. The church is a people. The most important part of your real estate is the families that live on it, not the houses. It's the people that are there on it. Why are you so stressed out about the houses when all that matters is is that you have love in those homes? Focus on the main thing. We want to stay focused on the main thing, folks. That's why in this next building, you saw the plans that were up there. Those aren't fancy plans, folks. We plan on going with an industrial size style look. Not all these fancy pews, not all this fancy carpet, not all the, you know, we want to have it concrete. We're going to shine it up, spit shine it up. We will take care of that. But we want the pipes showing. We want this industrial feel where we don't have to spend a whole lot of focus on that. We want it to focus to be on the people. Now, listen to me. It's going to be cool. Trust me, it's going to be cool. You're going to have a nice church, but it's not going to be all about the church building. It will never always be about the church building. (laughs) Buildings come and go, but the people on the inside will live for eternity. That's a fact, right? I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen before, and I'm telling you, that there are all people that all they do is focus on a building, building, building. But that's why for 10 years, we never focused on just a building. It was never about the building. We focused on building people. So God gave us the right people to help us build. Now, in 2 Chronicles, and I threw all that so you can remember this. I don't even know who half those guys are. I just thought, man, they look important. Okay, so... David wanted to build a church, a temple for God. And God said to David, and, and he said, you're going to build me a temple? How can, you know, you're going to build me a house? He gave him the permission to do it. But yet God, we know God is bigger than a house. 
So God allowed him, and David was so excited about this. But David couldn't build it. So what David did was David said, you know, before I die, I'm going to collect as much wood and as much supplies as I can. And I'm also going to collect the workers and get them organized so when my son Solomon builds the temple, that he'll have all the workers necessary. So that's what David did in 2 Chronicles chapter 2. It says that David got all the builders from all around that were good at carpentry, that were good at metalworking, that were good on foundations, that were good on woodworking, whatever they had that day, smeltering, whatever the, 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 the metals and working together. But then finally, Solomon saw what David had supplied him with, and he was limited. He was limited. Even though he did everything he could, the next level and the next generation always requires more because as things change, as we get older, there's going to be new methods. The message never changes, but the methods do. And we evolve. Innovation has changed so much. I mean, you know, now we've got cell phones and we've got Airbuds, are they call airbuds or earbuds? Airpods. See, I don't know, man. <laughs> Whatever. Anyhow, you remember when we used to have those big ones? With the long wire that tapped. It, was a, it wasn't a small little bitty plug-in. It was a quarter-inch adapter that went into your stereo, and your stereo had these big speakers. If you didn't have them this high, you didn't have a stereo from the ground big. We're talking back to the future big. (laughs) And now you've got this little bitty phone. In some cases, now they're getting bigger again. And these little buds that go in your ear, pods that go in your ear that are wireless. Things change. We have to have a balance for the new generation when we build. Because folks, We don't ever want this to be the church that it was said, well, they used to be great back in the day. We have to evolve and change and keep up with the next generation. And we have to make sure through the common threads of change that there's some things that never do change, which is, number one, that Jesus is lifted up high and lifted up, that he becomes a very source of what drives us. Number two that everyone is baptized under his name, that number three, that people are born again of the Spirit. And including with that first thing with Jesus, that it's only by his blood that we can be saved. And our Spirit-filled experience we can never be ashamed of. Those things will remain constant throughout the years and have to be relevant to who we are because that, my friend, is what takes the limits off. That's what takes the limits off. But now you have all these people that are here, and everyone has their different giftings. Everyone has their different positions. But the difference is, Solomon said, that's great that you gave me all these guys here, but I need someone to oversee it and someone to add to what they're doing. So Solomon said, please send me a craftsman who is very articulate. Send me a man who can work with gold, silver, all types of metal that can do the overlay and the inlay and all that these men can do to make their work look better. Because Solomon wanted to build God a house, but Solomon wanted to take the limits off. 
And he was limited by what his father gave him. Thankful, but still limited. So Solomon says, times have changed. I need someone to help me go beyond that. In other words, I can't build this church on my own, folks. I need some young techies around me. I need some millennials that can give us some live stream feed on Facebook and know exactly how it's supposed to look. We've done great things throughout the years. We've prayed. We have fasted. But you know what? I need some young men that know how to understand software and the technology that we're dealing with to build some apps for us to keep you engaged with us. And, uh, you know, there are some of you, when we first started in this church, we started using email and started using YouTube. You guys didn't even know how to use your email. Some of you didn't. And guess what we did? We bridged the gap because you were limited. So I sent young people to you. I came to myself after I was taught and said, hey, here's what you do. Here's how you do it. And some of our old, older folks out there, is Pierre still here right now? Or did he leave already? Where's Pierre? Raise your hand, Pierre. Somebody wake up, Pierre. <laughs> Again, that's a second time here. <laughs> Mary, raise your hand, Mary. There she is. Now listen. <laughs> there was a preacher preaching one time, and he said uh, he was preaching, and he saw a man sleeping. The wife was sitting next to him, and the uh, preacher said, hey, sister, do me a favor. Wake up your husband. She looked at the pastor and said, pastor, you wake him up. You put him to sleep. There are things that go on behind the scenes, folks, in this church when it comes to marketing, when it comes to serving, that we can't do. But there's a group of young people. Stand up in the front row. Stand up, Luke. Stand up over here, lady. Stand up. I want you all to stand up on this side. You All you stand up. A mixed generation of young people and older people that come together to work, to do. All of our volunteers stand up in here. All of our volunteers stand up. Please stand up. All of our volunteers. Would you please stand up? All of our volunteers. Look at all around, different generations, different people, different, different types of attributes, different styles. The older, can't be do, the older can't do it by themselves. They have to have the younger. The younger can't do it by themselves. They have to have the older generation to keep them balanced, to know what's what. Please be seated. And I'm telling you, it takes all generations. So, Paul, so, so, so Solomon said, I need someone else. So he called someone that can work. He called somebody else that will do the work. Here's what it boils down to. I don't know who that was. Oh, too big. That's funny. I don't know who it was. But I do know that in our life, that person... Is Jesus. He's the master builder. And when Jesus comes in, Jesus comes in to help us to make a contribution to what we do. Without him in your life, you will never reach your goal and rise, rise above your limitations. So Solomon had to call a man in to help build the temple to make it the greatest house that God ever wanted to have to oversee it and to help. 
I appreciate every single volunteer, every single person that's here. There's not one person. There isn't one person. But I know this. I fit into the one of those categories. There I am right there. You know? I couldn't do it without his help. Solomon needed someone to come in to get him past their limitations. We need somebody to come in to get us past our limitations. Because up to this point, we have everything necessary. But there's one missing element that now we need the blessings of God, the favor of God. And he's already in this because he proved it with the property. God's hand is on this. I'm telling you, you're fixing to see a miracle. We have more objectives than just contributions. We're going to put our best foot forward. We want to do some fundraising. I'm creating a committee. We are creating a committee of people that will help with fundraising. We're going to be meeting with them soon. We're going to see our options and how we can do this. But all of us together, listen, $200,000, if your family was saving for a new house or just another location to live, you would, that, 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 that amount would be smaller. But this is hundreds of people coming together. Yeah. And $200,000 is nothing when we all come together. I expected to exceed that. And it won't be long. We'll be going into a new building, watching God do great things. But we're taking the limits off by calling the Lord in. We didn't set a plan in place and then, and then ask God to bless it. We are actually doing this from a blessing, from the perspective of being already called, and we have accepted our calling. And that's the point for today. This church has accepted the responsibility of seeing lives change in this community. We've accepted it. And when we said, yes, Lord, we said, where you go, we will go. God said, okay, come to Cozy Circle. I said, but Lord, we, can we find a better place? No, come to Cozy Circle. Where you go, I will go. And when you do it, do it with all your heart. I don't care where you're at. You're going to do it with the five-star excellence. And we have done that so far, and we'll continue to do that. But because of that, God said, now you've proven yourself faithful over the years. Now step out by faith and get property. Well, how, Lord? It doesn't matter. I'm willing and obedient, God. Okay. People are going to say we don't have the money. People are going to say, and, and it's been said. And we've lost people because of that. And then we've had problems. And then, but, but guess what? It's like on America's Got Talent, folks. Don't X that person out too soon. Because they may come back up and surprise you and realize that there's real, a, a real calling there in their life. How many of you ever watched that before? You ever seen that? You ever seen that judge? Those judges, somebody starts off and they start off, they're joking around, maybe they didn't sound so good, and they hit the X button, then all of a sudden they change their act, and then they start blowing people's mind, the congregation gets behind them. That's what happened to David. They tried to X David out, but then David started fighting battles, and then they would sing his praises. For Saul has killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands, and then God started giving him favor with the people, and then everyone knew that God was with David because 
because he accepted the call and said, I'm going to do this with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my strength. I'm going to do it to the best of my capability, and God's going to bless it. God's going to bless it. Do you want to live a blessed life? How many of you want to live a blessed life? Let me give you the secret. Accept your calling. If you're part of this church, accept the challenge. Guess what? When you step out by faith and say, I'm going to commit to this amount, guess what God's going to do? He's going to meet your faith and say, I'll meet you there. Because why does God need to bless you? You can't say, okay, God, if you get here, here's what most people do. If you give me this, then I'll know you called me to do that. No, 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 no. That's not faith. Faith is I'm committing to what I feel God's told me by faith. Not what I want, but what he wants. And I'm going to let him meet the need. You feel a call in your life? Do you feel a gift in your life that needs to be fired up? There are so many opportunities for you to serve, to exercise those giftings. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. Step up by faith. Do with all your heart. There's no reason for us to become mundane, casual. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing else. God can care less about all that's happening in the world in the sense of, you know, what's going on today. I don't even know what's going on today on television. What's the big event? I don't even know. To me, in my mind, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, but all that matters to me today is that God's people win, that God's people come out ahead, that you're victorious, that you get what you need from God, that you leave here equipped, ready to go, ready to let God use you. Here's what I want to close with. The one challenge you have today is this, accept the call. Just accept the call. God's calling you. Accept the challenge and your life will change. I can't tell you how my life has evolved around this one call in my life to say yes to Jesus. It has changed my entire life. It has changed my entire family. It has changed the destiny of my children. Everything has evolved just because I said yes to Jesus. It's evolved around that one calling. I'm telling you, a calling and accepting the call in your life will change not just you it'll change your family's destiny it will I thank God for him today I thank God no matter what my gifting is no matter what position I am where are you God wants you to rely on him depend on him he's the answer he's the reason why you're here you've been called to build the kingdom you God didn't just save you to help you feel good or get you out of a bad mood God saved you not just to bless you God saved you because he wanted you to be a blessing God saved you because he wanted you to reach out to other people God saved you because he wants to make a difference in your world and guess what yes he chose you He chose you. And he knew what he was getting when he got you. He knew we would mess up. He knew we were frail. He knew we'd make mistakes. But guess what? He's still there. He's still knocking on your door. He's still waiting for you to get back up. He's still waiting for you to give it all that you've got. Say, I'm called. Come on, say, I'm called. If you accept the call, stand to your feet this Sunday morning and lift up your hands one time and just tell them, Lord, I accept it today. 
You're going to build a great church. But God, we are the church. You're going to use us to influence lives. You're going to use us to see lives change. You're going to use us to see lives evolve. It's because of you, God, in our lives that things are going to change. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Use me, Lord. Use me. Make that your prayer today. Say, use me, God. Come on, somebody say, use me, Lord. Say, use me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you today. We love you today. I want you to join hands with somebody real quick. Right next to you, I want you to join hands with them. The scripture says that we've been fitly joined together. And when we fitly come together, there's a growth spurt that comes. God blesses unity. God blesses unity. The Bible says when there's unity, God commands a blessing. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone be alone. Everyone come together. Come on. Don't let anyone be alone. Everyone come together. Come on, everybody. pray one for another what giftings you have in your life you pray for the other person next to you and you make this your prayer father bless them today god let them find their destiny lord in the name of jesus i pray a blessing over them i pray that you would strengthen them i pray that you would give them revelation and understanding bless their finances bless their gifts bless their callings bless them let's come together dear lord we agree today that we're going to walk into this new season that we're going to walk into this new season god with favor in our lives we're going to walk into this new season with an anointing in our hearts we're going to walk into this new season with a blessing in our lives that we have faith for the next in our life that we have faith for what's next in our life in Jesus' name we pray, and somebody say amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.